One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You are listening to the Load Management Podcast. Why I don't know. What up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Load Management Podcast. This is your man, Chops. Back, as always, with my main man, Zion. We got Adam Caparel in the cut. What's going on, fellas? And no, and here, I already know what you guys are going to say. Zion's the wearing the Brown stink. The Browns stink. No. I, I'm here. I'm ready. They play the Thursday. Cleveland Browns stink. They play Thursday. I'm ready. I'm ready to take it on. They played bad. They played bad. That's all I got to say. That's my official also, statement. New York Jets stink, too. Yeah, the Jets. Both of y'all teams Not very stink. Good. The, the Jets stink. And water's wet and the Pope is Catholic. What else is new, pal? Uh-huh. Well, I saw – can I bring up something? Adam tweeted last night. Zion, Adam's not really much of our friend. He tweeted last night that the Browns losing made him happy. Adam, that's not a very friendly type statement. My my Your misery, excuse me, your misery – is my joy. So the more the Browns lose, the more you're miserable, the more I will enjoy life. So I'm rooting heavily for the Browns to fall flat what in their face, sick, not even come close to the playoffs, and come nowhere near your 10-6 and six prediction, which is fallacy anyway. What are, what what a sick comment. You, you think someone is your friend all these years, and just they, that's how this they do it. Are you rooting against the Giants tonight, so you want to see Zion suffer too? Yeah, sure. It's, it's bad energy but, coming from Adam Capra. But let me, let me backtrack. I get happy when the Browns lose too. Just <laughs> neither of you guys. The guy wearing the Lamar Jackson yeah. jersey. Yes. Yeah. Neither yeah, of you guys you know, are. I, neither of you guys I get are. Very friends. happy. When I, I root for the Nets. I want the Nets to win when they're playing I, Zion. What, I don't care. I don't care. I root for the Yankees sometimes, even though that team is trash. I don't no, tell you guys. Excuse me, they're we, winning we, again, pal. Check. I don't tell you guys the Yankees are trash every week. Listen, the Yankees. We don't need any fan support, bro. You need something. You need pitching, hitting, maybe a new trainer because everybody's injured all the time. We'll see in October. We'll see in October, pal. Yeah, says an Indians fan. Fall the fuck back, please. Come on, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ! On. You have no ground to talk shit about right now. Well, man, uh, uh, Adam, we did pretty well on our bets from last Thursday. I'm not gonna. Did lie. you calculate so, the uh, the actual? I didn't, calc- I didn't calculate it, but I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna round up and say we did pretty well. Are you talking about our straight up picks or against the spread picks? I haven't looked at the straight up picks that Zion did as well. That we're all in there. Uh, I'm gonna guess they're pretty close though. I uh, I'm gonna I'm Had gonna look at week. them. I'm gonna I'm Come gonna on. look at them, but I I think. I don't think we did as well in the straight up as against the spread. I think we all kind of struggled in the straight up. But I'm going to round up and say we did pretty well. It's so. week one. We're trying to, we're yeah, trying everybody's to figure out like everybody else. No one knows COVID, what the hell's going COVID on. COVID and everything. It's going to take a month to figure out these fucking teams. So uh, you yeah. can't get too wrapped up and someone didn't cover or this team didn't win. Like uh, drawing, drawing massive conclusions after week one of the NFL, which we always do every single year, is obviously just a, is a clown show. Don't do it. Be above it. So, yeah. I will say I want to give, I want to give Zion props. Kyler Murray is the real deal. I had so much fun watching mm-hmm. him against the 49ers yesterday. Mm-hmm. He, I told y'all. Why are you giving him props? Everyone and their mother has proclaimed no, Kyler no, Murray no, no. being the real no, deal. Yes, don't pal. Do that, yes. Bro. He was the NFL you, rookie you of the year the, last year. That's a, that's a revisionist history. That's a revisionist history from Adam. How, explain. God, explain. Go ahead. Re- remember when we ranked the QBs? Uh, everyone was on the side of putting Kyler Murray in the 20 range. Like, 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 this man is not a dog. He's I a don't recall dog. the 20 range. I, I don't know about 20. Yeah, late, that's, teens, okay, late, you, teens, you, late teens, late teens, late teens. That's a tall tail, Yeah. He, he's, it, he's a top 15 quarterback in this he, He's the real deal. I enjoyed watching him profusely. And Chops, where uh, do we slot him in our QB rankings? I think he's 12. Red that's Zion, fine. Was he 12, yeah. 11. So, so borderline top tier quarterback he, in the NFL. He's, he, he, he's really good. I, you know what I think is interesting? I have some Eagles fans. They are They want to bench Carson Wentz already. I did not see that coming. Well, let's give the Washington football team a little credit for that uh, aggressive pass rush in the second half. The Washington football team. All, but they have no mascot, so I'm not respecting them. Who has mascot? Well, well how can you refer mascot. to them, pal? Yeah, they're the football team. I'm not respecting them, bro. They don't shout, even to, shout, out, shout out to our man, our GM of Complex, Donnie. Donnie, big Washington football team fan, so he got a big W. He was talking shit to me about the Browns. Uh, Cowboys, they let me down. Fucking Jason Garrett 2.0, Mike McCarthy, motherfucker. 
egregious Word egregious move Smith. not kicking the field goal there. Oh, Steve, yeah. Word to Stephen A. Smith. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> How about them Damn. Cowboys? Uh, Tom Brady. Ooh, I, uh, I don't know, man. Listen, might, listen. You, this is where I want to. This is what I want to touch on because oh, touch this on is this is something I've been preaching on this podcast since day one, and you guys called me out for telling me Tom Brady's not washed. He just needed weapons. Bro, he has Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and he's still throwing to some short white receiver named Scotty Miller. Like, come on. Tom Brady is washed. He's not good. Why don't you just say what you really he's, want to say? No. No, no, no. Say what you said in the text message thread the other day, pal, about Listen, Tom Brady. Now you're trying to now you're trying to No, because you're the habitual race card player. Clear, but go ahead. Now, oh, now you're, now you're falling back. Now you're holding off. Okay, I see how it is. Everybody calm down. Here's my take. Tom Brady and Drew Brees both watched. Brees won yesterday. He does not they look like yeah, that good. Neither of them. I mean, Brady. Listen, I'm not sure if Drew Brees can throw the ball 15 yards. Uh, he had one long. He right had a, one long. Pass. He had that one, was, but he yeah. he Taysom Hill and Jim, and Jameis Winston. But also, might be, let's let's not let's not write Tom Brady's obituary with one game again. Okay, one fucking game it. with the Bucks so far, and they haven't had it's any preseason. The lack of continuity. Let's 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 slow your roll there, pal. It's been written for years. Y'all three straight three straight games. Tom Brady's thrown a pick six. Three straight. He's 42 years old. Uh, shout to Cam Newton for looking great yesterday. That was fun. We're doing a little NFL shout recap. Shout Cam. Uh, anything else NFL pop off? I'm trying to think. Some surprises week one. Guys, we have a very good interview on this episode, and I'm very excited for people to listen to it. Who do we have, Zion, on the pod? Duke legend. The legend. J.J. Redick. One of the greatest shooters of all time. I said it. Very, very fun conversation. JJ, quick little Mia Culpa here for our listeners. Thursday's podcast, we did tease that we're going to have Kevin Garnett on this podcast. Oh, we did. Uh, a yeah. little scheduling tweak. Kevin Garnett will appear on next week's podcast. So, because this JJ Reddick interview was so strong and we didn't want to cut it down for you guys, um, Garnett, who also brought the heat, um, will be on next week's podcast. Uh, let's get to it right now. No, no other wasting time. Welcome back to the Load Management Podcast. We have a huge guest today, the premier NBA podcast guy, I would say, JJ Reddick, who you got the new pod, you had the old pod, you had a few pods. So, but JJ, thank you to the, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, just to be clear, I, I've done a few iterations of my own podcast, but recently launched uh the old man in the three with JJ Reddick and Tommy Alter. We've done. Uh, we released our thirteenth episode today. We, we've only been doing this for about uh, a month or so. So we're we've been busy. We've been really busy. <laughs> Great name, by the way. That's a that's a that's an elite podcast name. Thank you. Just wait till the second podcast we're, we're going to launch. It's uh, it's also a great, just a great pun. Just we're, that's what we're looking for in podcast names. You know, just some some sort of play on words. There we go. The, the pun game. Chop, chops. I think I think you're forgetting one more title though. Duke University oh, legend JJ Reddick. Let, let's <laughs> our, so our so our listeners know already that our young Zion here is a Duke stand. So JJ, just be ready for. Oh, for, for speaking any kind of that Duke. quickly. Oh, here we go. Speaking of that quickly, you did follow me on your old Twitter. I need you to follow me back. But Jesus we'll, Christ, we'll, we'll pal, come on! So could you have any shame? <laughs> on his old Twitter, he followed me, but. We can discuss Young that. Zion's internet's breaking up here. He's, oh, good. Because since he has no shame, yeah. the internet should be breaking up. Oh, my goodness. I'll Zion, give you a follow. You. Just hit, hit, hit me on Twitter after this. I'll give you there a follow. There we go. Zion's Easy begging greasy. for Duke follows right now. <laughs> yeah. Zion, fix your internet. JJ, let, let's start here because I'm curious. Because we had a debate actually internally about this, some of us. How much do N- NBA players hate the, the bubble? Um, The bubble... Would I would describe the bubble as an inconvenience. It's not it's not that bad though. In in talking to guys, especially a few weeks in when we were down there, we were just kind of like, man, this isn't bad. Like honestly, for a lot of the younger guys too that maybe don't have families and don't have kids, these guys spend a ton of time gaming anyways. So they're in their room when they're not at practice or, or not eating or, or not at the gym to to play. And they're they're streaming on Twitch. They're playing games, and it's a fairly normal existence for a lot of these guys down there. Now, the guys that have kids, um, that was the, the the hardest part. And we had quarantine for about twelve days. I had quarantine for about twelve days in New Orleans, and lived with Drew Holiday. And Drew's family was in California. My family was in New York, 
And then there was five weeks in the bubble. So we were like, like at seven weeks without seeing your kids. That was tough. That was really hard. How worried would you say the Pels advanced? How worried would you have been of Russell Westbrook screaming at your family if if they did get into the bubble? <laughs> well, we would have we would have had to beat the Lakers first. So there was <laughs> there was a lot of obstacles in our way. I, I said this the other day. So one of the last nights I was in the bubble, um, I was having dinner with uh, Timothy uh, Timothy Luau Cabarro from from Brooklyn, who I played with in Philly. T.J. McConnell, who I played with in Philly and Doug McDermott, who plays for the Pacers. Doug and Russ had played together in OKC. So Russ, you know, every time we'd have dinner at the hotel, he'd come over and chat at the table, chat at the table. So the last night I was there, um, he came over and he was chatting. He was sitting, standing there for like an hour. So finally I was like, Russ, please sit down, you know, make yourself at home. He had a little bit of wine with us and I got him to agree to come on my pod he doesn't do podcasts yeah i got him to agree to come on my podcast on the condition that the houston rockets won the championship so as as hard as it is for me to root for other teams i was actually rooting for houston to win it all so i'm a little disappointed because i wanted i wanted to get russ on the pod <laughs> so is chops chops is rooting for the rockets too he became a rockets bandwagon fan but we got to ask you real quick because we asked channing fry who's a wine aficionado uh recently a podcast guest of ours what LeBron's like as a drunk. So what is West, Russell Westbrook like when he's a few glasses of wine deep? What's he like? Oh, man, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Channing's, Channing's a friend of mine, uh, and I know he's he's doing some big things in the, in the wine industry right now. Uh, Russ, Russ, to me, was just a naturally chatty guy. The The person we see on the court and the person he is off the court are, are very different. And to see him in that environment relaxed, and talkative and also inquisitive that that was the other shocking thing a lot of these star nba players you get them at a table and they are just so used to everyone asking them questions that they don't engage back and forth and russ was the opposite of that i mean just an incredible uh conversation we had I, just kudos of respect for him as a person for sure uh, how were you surprised it took this long for a Daniel House situation type situation to happen in the bubble? Was that <laughs> <laughs> the over under on weeks? We, it went way over. I think we we got to the almost the conference finals. My over under was like day seven. So yeah, I was I was shocked that it took that long. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Russ real quick. Just talking some hoops. A lot of people piling on him after that series against the Lakers. I, I tend to give – I like Russ, so I, t I, I kind of gave him a pass. You know, he was coming off injury. He had COVID. Do you, what, what do you see as him as a player going forward? Well, so much of the NBA is about the system you're in and so much of the playoffs expose your weaknesses. And I've had that happen, you know, in my career where, you know, I felt like you know, especially maybe my, my, especially my first year in Philly playing against the Celtics where I had to guard Tatum and Jalen Brown, these bigger wings, it was tough for me defensively. And I think with the way Houston plays, the system they play where it's a lot of ISO, a lot of James Harden, it makes it tough on, on Russ because he's not necessarily playing with the ball in the half court and he's relegated to sort of being a spot up shooter. You can put a second defender uh, on the ball, which you saw over and over again that the Lakers did. And it just it, it makes it a tough situation for him to thrive. And when he was able to get rebounds or get an outlet pass and get out in the open court, he looked like the rust that we all know. Um, but that's that look, that's that's the, the gamesmanship and the chess match that is the playoffs. You're you're gonna try to expose things about other players. And um, you know, Russ to me is 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 an incredibly hard worker. I don't know that he'll ever be a great shooter, but I know he works on it, um, and and hopefully he can he can kind of turn that around next year's playoffs. Do you see though anything from Russ that makes you think that he's a different player than what he was a few years ago? Because the narrative now is that he's kind of diminishing athletically a little bit, and obviously isn't quite MVP level. Although that being said, during the regular season with the Rockets, he had one of his best statistical seasons of all time. So it's like, what do you see, and what you know specific insights you have as a guy that actually knows his game a million times better than we yeah. do? of what Russ is as a caliber player right now and going forward. I, right. I don't, I don't think that, again, I don't think there's any drop off in Russ's game. I want to be very clear on that. There's no drop off in his game. We, we saw that in the regular season. He had a stretch for a couple months there prior to 
the the pandemic shutting everything down where he was averaging 28 8 and 8 uh, for a long stretch this wasn't a three game stretch this was a long stretch so we we saw sort of that vintage rust that we all know um again i i think so much of the playoffs are about matchups they're they're about uh the system you're playing in and, and being put in a position to to succeed and and that look that was tough for him in that laker series jj we got to there's already some rumors about d'antoni to the pelicans Say it happened. How many threes are you averaging a game in a D'Antoni offense? I <laughs> I almost signed with Houston in 2017, the year I signed my my first one-year deal with Philly. And I had to make a decision between going to Houston and going to Philly on that one year. And so I called D'Antoni. We chatted on the phone for a bit. And the one thing he said to me that stuck with me, he said, my goal for every guy I coach is to have their career year playing for me. And so I'm like, all right, so I'm shooting like 10 threes a game if I play for this guy. <laughs> I mean, I had a teammate, Q Rich, who I think led the league in threes in Phoenix. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't think Q Rich is like this great shooter. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in that system where, where how he wants to play, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of threes. Um, but again, it's, it's all speculative. I, have, I literally have no idea who we're going to hire as a coach. Is, this a, uh, is that an official cosign, though? Is that an official cosign? David Griffin follows me on Twitter. We, I can make sure he sees this. A lot of a lot of mentions of Twitter followers here. And yeah, this well, is unbelievable. Well, I'm beginning. Nah. I'm beginning to see what's important to you guys. I'm beginning no, to see no, what's no, important. No, 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 no. For me, for me, that was just because you had an old Twitter account and you used to react to yeah. uh, like uh, interact with me. So I okay. was just putting that right. back on your radar. Okay, I, it's back on the radar. It's back on the I, radar. I just dropped that because as a Cavs fan, I, I'm a big fan of David Griffin. I, I believe in what he can do. So I, I, I think, you know, the Pelicans are obviously on the right track and everything. For you, what, what do you guys think you need to do, obviously, going into Zion's next year? But can the BI-Zion thing fit? Is that is that is that a match that we're going to see flourish next year? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I think we have to look at sort of the, the ancillary pieces and figure out how to build around those guys. Um, Brandon has proven that he can – be an all-star Zion is is a future all-star um there's there's not many guys like that in the NBA and so we have to figure out the personnel around them that that really fits um we we got to provide even more spacing I think for Zion uh, Brandon has shown this year that he's a, he's a great three-point shooter at a high, at a high volume I think he was right around 40 percent at six or seven uh clips a game so you know he can he can certainly play off Zion Zion and, and be off the ball a little bit, um, but obviously Brandon look Brandon is a bucket man Brandon is a bucket and and he's really good with, with the ball in his hands. I saw this stat right when we got to the bubble, and uh, we were uh, an assistant coach and I, one of the player development guys and I, were were trying to coach up one of our young guys, and so he's asking me like, how do I show him the data of what is a good a good shot versus a bad shot, and how do I help him that way? So I said, bring me the data, let me look at it, and I'll tell you which pieces you should kind of show him. I don't remember what we ended up showing this young guy, but I remember there was one piece of data, and it was Brandon Ingram guarded shots. Guarded shots was 1.17 points per possession, which would have been the second best or the best offense in the league. I think Dallas was at 1.15. So that just shows you his scoring capability. He's 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 an absolute bucket. I got to ask you about the analytics thing. You guys just had KD on, who has been pretty vocal about the, you know, fighting back against against analytics a little bit in, in what he says. So how do you feel about that as an NBA player in kind of, the analytics driven talk from, from pundits and, you know, people, I don't, I hate to bring up Twitter again, but people on Twitter basically. Yeah. Well, first of all, Katie doesn't have to worry about the analytics because the analytics <laughs> say that he's awesome. And so does the eye test. So he's good. And every <laughs> he's shot good. he does is anal- analytically yeah. works. Just get him the ball. He's, he's one of the best scorers, pure scorers ever. Um, there's, there's pushback from some players and there's, there's some guys that have really embraced it. Um, I think that it fits in as part of the narrative i don't think it is the narrative and you know one of the things that analytics do that a lot of teams use is they use it for projections Mm -hmm. and i've i saw that a bunch in philly um and i saw that a little bit in in new orleans as well and the hard part with that is basketball is is not played as a computer game 
And there's so, there's such a human element to basketball about how guys fit together and there's only one basketball. And so you can kind of try to project how certain guys will fit together. But if you're taking a piece from somewhere else and putting it with a new piece, well, you can kind of throw those projections away because what he did in one system versus what he's going to do in your system playing with a certain guy is tough. Do I think that you know, very specifically, do I think that shooting a contested mid-range is a good shot? No. But sometimes that's the shot that's there on that possession. And so do I want Kevin Durant coming off a pick and roll and pulling up from 18 feet off the dribble? Absolutely. That's a good shot. Do I want Chris Paul operating in a pick and roll with the five man and getting to the right elbow? Absolutely. Those are good shots. I'm living as a coach, as a teammate, as a front office guy, I'm living with those shots. Going going back to um, design, and let's say this Dan Tony thing does happen theoretically, we'll probably see him at the five a lot, obviously. But I think obviously watching him at Duke, watching him in high school, like every one of his games, he's a better shooter than people give him credit for, and I think he can become a better shooter than people give him credit for. It. What do you think? Like seeing him every day in practice, the type of shooter he can be. Yeah, I think he's got he's got room to grow there. Uh, I think he's got good touch naturally. Um, you know, with anybody, I don't care if you're Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, or Zion. Like, it's all about repetition. It's all about being in the gym and and getting your shots up and and getting comfortable and getting confident. You get your confidence in shooting from the repetition. And I, for me, I think Zion. And I've talked with him about this and Griff has talked with like he's got to figure out, you know, over the next couple of years, like a routine and a regimen and and uh, and how to be a professional and not that he was unprofessional, but that's the learning curve that every young player has to have. And for him, it was unfortunate because, you know, so much of his season was disrupted by the knee injury in October and then and then, you know, having to leave the bubble. And so there was maybe a 20 game stretch where it was like, okay, I can tinker a little bit with my routine. Well, 20 games is not enough. And so he's got to figure that out. And it's it, like, I'm not knocking him at all. I'm just saying like, that's, that's sort of the learning curve for every young player. I had to figure it out. I didn't figure it out till end of second year, early in my third year to where I had a routine down. Okay. This is what it is. Now I'm prepared to go play. Where does he rank is like freak of nature that you've seen on an NBA court. You've obviously seen LeBron, Ben Simmons, yeah. but where's Zion rank on that list just already? Yeah, for me, he's probably top five. Um, I would put LeBron, peak D-Rose, probably peak Russ, Zion, um, and maybe maybe peak BG, Blake. I would probably put them top five in terms of just like the athletic, the, the, the physical just gifts that no one else really has uh the thing with zion that's so it's he he like lulls you into this false sense of speed because you know he has this like certain run so he runs and you're like oh he's not that quick and then all of a sudden he gets the ball at 17 feet on the left wing and then he's at the rim and you're like where the hell did that just come from and it's with and he's and he's a bigger guy he's strong He's, it's just so much force. And and that part, the force part, I don't think I've seen before. So the years you played with Blake and the one year you just played with Zion, did you have more oh shit moments seeing Blake do this stuff in practice or on the court or more oh shit moments with Zion and what he's doing in practice and on the court? Can I say real quick, the Lob City Clippers don't get enough credit that they should as, as in terms of fun. Those teams were fun, JJ. They were super fun. We would get more credit had we won a championship. <laughs> we went to a conference final. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We, we always look back on old teams, and I think we should look back on the Lob City Clippers and, and give them some credit. Just I think Blake in general doesn't get enough credit kind of going forward. You know, he's in Detroit now. Maybe, yeah. You know, hasn't been, you know, been hurt. But that's just my thoughts. Well, we, we, we've talked about this a little bit with some of the, the guys on the, you know, that I played with in the Clippers. The Blake Griff, the healthy Blake Griffin in Detroit – if we had that Blake Griffin that was shooting six threes a game in the high 30s, oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
We're winning two <laughs> chips. We're winning we two go. championships. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a credit to him. Blake, I, I've said this before. Blake's the hardest working NBA player I've ever been around. Um, he he just takes his craft so seriously. And you've seen his growth as a player in the league um, coming from someone who, very similar, I guess, to, you know, to Zion. He's, you know, not a great shooter, uh, wasn't a great free throw shooter, you know, kind of wowed people with with his athleticism but was able to develop as a ball handler and as a passer and, and now as a shooter. And he just, that's a credit to, to his, his work ethic to answer the previous question. I, I, I would, I, I, it's hard to say like Zion's done more things and versus Blake um, in terms of wow moments. Um, you know, and I also played with Dwight who had a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of wow moments. Um, those three guys probably in terms of my teammates are probably at the top though. As someone who is automatic from three, was it really easier shooting in the bubble, or was this just uh, people? Yes, please prove this theory because Jamal Murray dropping fifty. He's a great player, but fifty consecutively. The, the TJ Warren thing people bring up, you know. Yeah. It, so here's here's, and I think Baxter Holmes wrote an article in the last few days about this this part of the theory. So I think I think that it's not easier to shoot in the bubble. What is easier is not having to travel and not switching time zones and not getting into hotels at 3 a.m. You know, our our routine in the bubble was so easy. You know, you 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 get your normal amount of sleep. You're on the same time zone at all times. You come back to the hotel. You've got food waiting for you. Um, you you jump in a cold tub and you go to bed and that to me is a big reason why offensively you're seeing like really high outputs um, because the recovery is just better when you're not traveling and and you're not changing time zones uh, and you're getting you know a routine in terms of your sleep it's extremely beneficial extremely because some people have said you know some of these young guys, there's no girls in the stands. There's no distractions that plays into it. You know? Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's a part of it. That's a part <laughs> of it. There's no, like nobody's going to Bootsy Bellows or, or, you know, I don't even know the clubs and in, in, live in Miami, whatever. I, what's the club in New York now? I have no idea. I haven't met. There's plenty of them. Uh, yeah. There's plenty there's of them. There's up and down. Yeah. There's no uh, up and yeah. down in New York right now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, that distraction is, is out of it. And that's not to say that guys, you know, we, you know, we, we consumed my, at least my group of guys uh, in the bubble, we consumed a decent amount of, 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 wine we I, I will admit to that there was a lot of wine being drank in the bubble can we get an over over under just on how many bottles of wine have been consumed in the bubble overall it has to be over i got probably an insane amount of, of wine tens of thousands <laughs> in all good shit not the cheap stuff and not yeah. just and not just players either i mean you know these the the staff the staff's getting after it the oh, staff Tony Popovich, yeah. come on. all those guys. I'm sure Ty Lue picked up a Nick wine habit in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. La last game of the season, Nick Nurse was a look looking a little. Oh, he had a hangover. I'm surprised. I'm surprised no one's run up on Scott Foster yet. Like what? Like the we refs are just well, they're the, they're somewhere else though. I don't know where they are. Oh, so you guys don't have access yet. to the refs? No, no, we don't see them. No, that was a oh, WNBA oh, boat where they can see the refs. Not, yeah. not the, the NBA only boat. the only time. So there's. The Coronado Springs Resort is where most of the practice sites are. Okay. And the players are staying at the Grand Destino. The, the okay. guys who were on the top teams, that they started at the Grand Destino. And so to get to your team ballroom, your meal room or whatever, you have to walk through by the practice courts, you know, to some of these teams do. And so the referees would often be going through there. But I don't know where they're staying. That's the only time we'd ever see those guys is, is it's like outside the ballroom. Is it bad that we all know who Scott Foster is as NBA fans? <laughs> who was it? Larry Bird was like, if you you at the end of the game you you want to be like, I don't remember who ref that game tonight. Like that's yeah, the sign yeah. of like a, a well ref game. Yeah, but like yeah. literally, Scott Foster trends on Twitter almost every game that he refs. Yeah, but there's always refs that have this notoriety, like Dick Bavetta over the years, Tim Hardaway's yeah. Nick Bavetta. Like, there's always these refs that have these, like, you know, Joey Crawford, uh, time frames. Joey Crawford, yeah. yeah, it's like wait, yeah. there's plenty of NBA refs that are famous. I Joey Crawford. Yeah, yeah I look, I I think I, I know 
I know he, people, the refs get shitted on on Twitter so bad, but I got to say, man, like low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. it's they, they had the hardest. They had the hardest job to do. They had the hardest job. Um, we're all really we all have become really adept thespians. We're all really good actors. <laughs> we all know the tricks. And to figure that stuff out in real time is is very is very difficult. Um, and then there's, look, there's the human element. Like we, yeah. we've gone through training on how to deal with referees. They've gone through training on how to deal with us. But at the end of the day, we're human and maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe the referee's having a bad day. I know I've spouted off a few times. I've, I've had a couple of ejections in my career. Um, so it's, you know, it's, that's just part of it. I think, I think they do a great job. I can't, I can't sit here and shit on the referees. They do a good job. It and I want, be, and I want calls next year. So, you know, it's whatever. There you go. You're playing, you're playing the game, but it can't be easy to ref a Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry series. Those guys are just flailing all over the place in that series. You know what though? I, they, they probably flop here and there, but to me, those guys give such effort that it's, it, they, they make so many winning plays. Marcus yeah. Smart. Like I put him on my team. I want him on my team. Like he's the guy, you know, he, he's, he's just, he's just a winner and, you know, credit to him for that. All right. Let's ask one more referee question though, with you guys in the rest relationship, since you've been in the NBA forever, do guys complain more to the refs now than when you enter the league? Cause it feels like you guys complain after every goddamn call that goes against you. Everyone in the NBA. I feel like we complain less. To be no way. You. No. Yeah. You're going to have to sell no. that guys, one to us. You're going to no, sell that one to us. You guys have a little bit of revisionist history here. So I don't I, look, it was like, I don't know what year it was for me. It was early in my career, but a few years in and they impl implemented the respect for the game rules or whatever it's called, mm -hmm. where you can't, now you can't hand wave. You can't pound, you can't smack the ball against the stanchion. You can't smack the ball against the floor. You're allowed to show like, you know, one quick burst of emotion and that's it. There's no clapping at referees. No stare downs. No, I, I I, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think that. I'm going to tell you one referee. I love telling this story. There's one referee story that I love telling. So, um, uh, what was his fucking name? I'm blanking on his name. Who's the who's the who's the 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 older referee? Senate, uh, Salvatore Bennett Salvatore. Bennett Salvatore. Bennett Salvatore. Yep. I don't know why I couldn't think of him. So, my third year, we're playing the Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and we win Game One in Boston. Game two, they beat the shit out of us. Eddie House goes nuts. I think he had like 30. Um, and I fouled out of the game with like a minute to go. And I I perceived it as being a poorly refereed game. So I walked over to Bennett. He was the ref that I was walking toward. I was walking towards our bench. He was the ref that was in my way. And I walked over to Bennett and I and I put my arm around him. And I was like, Bennett, come here. And he leaned in and I whispered in his ear, Fuck you guys. <laughs> and, and, and then I walked away. And, I, and I'm thinking as I'm walking away and I'm like trying to get to the bench, I'm like, I'm getting tossed for that. I'm getting tossed for that. And I, I sat down and I'm like, I didn't get tossed. And I turned to look at Bennett and he was so startled by me saying that he had dropped his whistle onto the floor. And so I, I watch him pick up his whistle, blow the whistle, and he tosses me out of the game. So to this day, if Bennett Salvatore, if he's ever at a game or if I ever see him in New York, he walks by me and he says, fuck you. <laughs> Just like that. It's great. That's amazing. That's amazing. JJ, so talking about the current playoffs going on, do you have a prediction for Heat Celtics and then – who do you think is going to come out of the West? And then also, are the Clippers going to close this out? Because they're, I mean, they just can't close out the Nuggets here. Yeah. I think the Clippers win game seven. Um, I think I think Miami wins the East. And I think the Lakers, Lakers win the West. And then who um, wins it all? I'll, I'll go Lakers. I'll go, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to sort of bet against LeBron right now. Uh, with it, with as good as Anthony Davis is, like he's he's found a, they're, they're, that's a duo that's I think tough to beat four times in a seven game series. Okay, what any any reason for the Heat over the Celtics? Just something you saw from them out of that Buck series? I just think they're built they're built for the bubble. Um, Spo is one of the all time greats. He he is uh, you know he's he's got 
tons of playoff experience. He's going to make the adjustments. That's going to be an interesting chess match right there between him and Brad Stevens. Uh, a lot. Of, I think. Matchup. I think a lot of it also depends on um, Gordon Hayward if he's healthy and can play. Um, that that would certainly give the Celtics a, a better chance of winning. Um, but I just I like the way I like the way that the Heat play. Um, they can play a few different ways. Bam is so versatile. And, um, and, you know, according to Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler is the greatest player in the NBA right now. And they have the greatest player in the NBA. <laughs> well, and I'm not, that's not a knock on Jimmy, by the way, but that's like, it, yeah. Jimmy is one of the best players in the NBA and he believes he's the best. And that's, that's a tough combo. And but did you I'm, ever, did you ever buy a $20 cup of coffee off of him and the, in the bubble? <laughs> No, I was not staying at his hotel. I, there was no way I could wake up, take the time to get dressed, do all my health screening, make it over to his hotel, and and wait that long to get a cup of coffee. I need that juice in my veins as soon as I wake up. Instantly, instantly. <laughs> yeah. my, you're, 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 a lot of praise for Jimmy right there. You know who else has been praising Jimmy on Twitter? Uh, your former teammate, Joel Embiid, has been very a lot of yeah. praise on Jimmy on Twitter. That situation in Philly, man, it's... It seems like it's they're out ahead right now, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was Joel and Ben's third year together. Yeah, um, we we live in a, a a society and especially in sports where we want this, these instant results. And it took a while for for a lot of these these combos to figure it out. They're both really young players. They're both really intelligent players. I have no doubt that those guys can figure it out. Um, you know, I. Okay, bud. You got it. <laughs> Hello. It's got a got my four year old has to pee. Um, so I, I I have I have no doubt that those guys those guys are going to figure it out. It'll be interesting to see who they end up hiring and and how they end up playing next year. But uh, but yeah, those guys are those guys are great. It was a very excellent non Draymond Green non tampering answer right there. Well done, JJ. No, I don't. I don't think they should split them up. You know, I. I don't. I don't think that. But they're gonna get one more year to run it back. I mean, I mean, I guess you get one year of the new coach and figure out and, and just give him a test run. But I mean, is it really that? Like- their their first year together, the starting five had uh, the best net rating in the league. Their second year together, they had the best net rating in the league, and then this year, of course, they didn't. So I think some of it is what what pieces are you putting around them? Um, so a lot of it again, I go I went back to what we were talking about earlier with Russ. You know, you can you can build a team on paper and it doesn't always work out on the court. You know, you need you need pieces that actually fit together. As as an as an actual NBA player, how do you how do you feel about how the league is covered? Because that's obviously been a big debate where so much is built around free agency and trade rumors and and all that. So how do you kind of take that as someone who you're not in the media, but you do talk about the game and everything you do pods, but then you're also a player. Um, I, I have no problem with how the game is covered. There's, there's probably more excitement for the trade deadline and free agency than there are some games. <laughs> that's just, uh, I, I think that's, that's fun to follow on Twitter and it, it gives us, Look, it provides interest in in the game of basketball. You know, prior to 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 COVID, you know, basketball essentially, with the exception of maybe August, was was a year round sport. You know, the news cycle never never really dimmed on the NBA. Um, I personally, I, I think the level of play in the NBA right now is really really high. I don't think we get enough credit for that. Um, I don't think people realize how hard it is defensively to stop. Uh, NBA players, uh, the skill level of NBA players is at an all-time high. Um, I, I really believe that. Like Jamal Murray, objectively, is probably not a top five point guard in the NBA. Objectively, yeah, yeah, that's a tough list of crack. That's a, that's a tough. That's if a tough ja- if Jamal Murray did what he did in that playoff series in the nineties, oh god. <laughs> oh God, he's the best. He's yeah. the best point guard. Yeah, you know. So the the standard at each position is really high right now. Um, I've talked about this a bunch, but the skill level of young guys now coming into the NBA is just insane. Um, and and it's on guys like me, and it's it's on you know the, some of the older heads. We've got to we've got to you know mentor and teach how to how to win, how to how to play basketball, and not just you know 
have a high skill level um, because I think so much of now is like individual workouts and and pickup, and it's it's like we've got to we got to we got to figure out how to play the game. You know, well, the, then, the object is winning the basketball game. It, but then, does like the the constant trade rumors and like people saying, "Yo, you got to get this guy out of here," or does that take away from the the you know uh, people ignoring just how skilled some of these guys are? Yeah, because that's what sells airtime. That's yeah. what that's what sells clickbait. Um, there's going to be something from this podcast that goes on clutch points and you know it's like he knows he knows yeah it's and it's yeah. not going to have anything to do nobody with the game of basketball this. nobody <laughs> aggregate, aggregate this. the shit out of this please no here's the thing like i could sit here we you the four of us could sit here and we could watch a clip and i could break down that clip so beautifully and i could teach the subtle nuances of whatever clip we were watching that wouldn't make news that's basketball content right there. That wouldn't yeah. make news. Um, we 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 want the TMZ stuff, man. We that's what we want. You and, say and we. I, you say we is is that? I live mean? in the basketball world. I'm saying we, as in like I'm a basketball yeah. fan. That's what we yeah. all want. That's what that's what yeah. you know. This the the, the 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 Twitter comment. This league, right? This yeah. league. This yeah, league. This league. Dot, dot, yeah. This you know league. the the quote treat of this league. Here's the story. <laughs> like it's never. Uh, so and so <laughs> takes a charge. <laughs> this league coming over per- perfect low man on a pick and roll. It's not like this league. No, that's not gonna. That doesn't so show. So like up. my thing is, we could break it down a Giannis clip right now, and nobody would care. But you could tell us, oh, Giannis should go here, and it would make so much news. I think I I think it's a little bit of an issue. Just in, in you know, there's been people writing about the NBA, or whatever, and, and the NBA ratings, never. It's just it, it it gets a little exhausting in my eyes. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But we're trying to. <laughs> do, you, do you want to? Do, you can't get back in the iPad. Oh, it ran out of batteries. Oh, that's a bummer. You want to play my phone? <laughs> Parenting 101 right now from JJ Reddick, by the way. It's great. I love just speaking of this real quick. The 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 me or the clip that went live of all the little kids in the bubble just on their phones was great. Yes, just sitting at in the, the game. Section, yeah, it's yeah, great. that was that was great to see. That was that was so much fun. Uh, when my kids come to games, I'm like, did did they watch anything? They're like, no, no. They just you know they want they want the popcorn. They like watching the jumbotron to see what's on the jumbotron. Knox asked questions during you know why is there fire. Why do the lights go out? Why do they sing that song? Why do they all stand in one line? Put their hands over their hearts. What is that? Yeah. Those are the questions we get. They're not like, Dad, why, why did you make that pass in the third quarter? That didn't make any sense. I mean, you're not breaking down tape with your four-year-old? <laughs> not yet. Well, the, six, the six-year-old, I, 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 we've started doing some skill work. I'm Uh-oh. not going to lie. We, we, we've started doing some, uh, some jab step work. I got to get them on balance. The kid has natural shooting form. Okay. Uh, really does a nice job of just bringing the ball right to his pocket, shot pocket, and, and follow are through. Be, are, are you yeah. the Del Curry to the next great shooter uh, in, in 20 years, the next great NBA shooter? I've thought about that, but I honestly, I <laughs> want my kid to just – so Knox specifically, my, my six-year-old, uh, he, he, he is me. Like He is the same. He is obsessive. He is OCD. Um, he's sensitive. <laughs> like I look at him, and I'm like, that's me. And I don't know that I, I want to put that burden on him of like him having to follow in my footsteps. He's going to find, I don't know if it's going to be shooting a basketball, but he's going to find one thing that is as addicting to, you know, to, to, to him as shooting is to me. He's going to find that one thing and he's going to be great at it. I have no doubt, but I don't know that it's going to be shooting. Jay, I want to go back to you. We were talking about the TMZification of you know basketball and the NBA and, and just overall sports. When you had KD in your podcast, you asked him straight up if he felt like he took the easy way out to get the championship. And that's definitely kind of a TMZ question. But I want to ask in general, do a lot of NBA players generally feel like that, that KD went and got himself a kind of Fugazi championship? You like how I, I asked the question, though. I said I wouldn't. Yes. I wouldn't ask this question. Do you feel? Yeah. Do you feel? <laughs> no. I've, I, I you feel, could. Yes. Hey, you could check the tape on this man. And my podcast in 2016, I was a staunch supporter of him doing this. 
yeah. because it shows that he took control of his career and he pursued his own narrative and his own path, not not what someone else was was telling him to do. Um, here's a question I have for you guys. I'm, I'm not going to answer your question directly. Here's a question I have for you You're guys. <laughs> answer a question with a question. Yeah. Deflect, deflect, so that's no, not a flag. I have no problem answering the question, but I, I think I think a question to ask would be, do you think that given the 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 like hate the talk on on first take or any of these shows the the back and forth just the constant dissecting people when they haven't won a championship do you think that that in some way either consciously or subconsciously leads them to be like all right i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go win a chip here I'm going to go join up with these guys. Yeah, 100%. And we're about to do it again with Giannis. I really do. I feel that. I feel like it pushed KD to the Warriors. And then everybody bitched about KD. And I'm a Cavs fan. I hated it more than anybody because it literally ruined my team's chances to win more titles. But we're about, it's about to happen with Giannis again, I think. Well, if you look at LeBron, if you look at KD, and God, I feel so bad for Giannis for what's coming over the next 12 months. But maybe two weeks they're already reporting meetings with ownership man it, it's like it's but it's these guys were universally beloved mm-hmm. universally beloved until they did something for themselves and katie has talked about this in the past before where he's like so much of my career in oklahoma city was about pleasing other people and that can be exhausting and that's just not not and nba players are not guilty of that everybody's guilty of that to some degree like you want to you want to make sure everybody's happy you want to be well liked we're all we're all that way um so i i mean i again i i don't think winning a championship is hard i don't think he took the easy way out i think there's a lot of people that think that i don't think i don't think he took the easy way out if you said to me hey you can go join the warriors on a max deal I, I, there's a very few guys that are like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, if he had turned down 150 million and been like, I'm gonna go sign a minimum on one year just so I can get a chip so everybody can leave me alone. That's different. And yeah. not only that, he won MVP of the finals both years. <laughs> yes. He was very he was good. Player. Was you very don't good player. feel, but you don't feel, you don't feel personally that he took the easy way out. But do no. NBA players generally feel that he did or do some, do a decent percentage of them C- feel that he did? CJ C- McCollum had, had thoughts. CJ, another C- podcaster. CJ C- C- did have thoughts. Shout out to another podcaster. It's probably, it's probably split on that. It's probably split on that. The one thing that does make some sense to me is, you know, your the, the argument with like the Warriors had just beat them, right? If you can't yeah. beat them, join them. <laughs> like that, when people say that, I'm like, yeah, okay, to some degree, I get that. But like in 2010, the Celtics, they beat us in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I was a restricted free agent. I thought I was going to the Celtics <laughs> leading up until free agency. And I would have gone there. I would have yeah. signed and, and waited on Orlando to match. Um, but you know, uh, Kendrick Perkins tore his ACL in the in Game Six of the Finals that year, and and they used the mid level on uh, on Jermaine O'Neal, so wasn't really an option. But you know, I I, I would have done that. So I can't say that Katie choosing that route was was wrong. As someone who has been on multiple teams, what do you look for? You talked to speaking to Dan Tony uh, back in 2017. What do you look for when you're looking at a new team? I think this is interesting because you know, obviously, Katie got the max and. Yeah, and, and was on a winner, but like, what what matters to you most at this point in your career? Um, you know, the options last. So it, again, you can look at it in a perfect world, and you can look at it in in reality. And mm-hmm. what every player wants in a perfect world is is often, unless you're a Kevin Durant or a LeBron, yes. is often you know not what reality is, and so. You sort of have to make these decisions in real time. They ha- they happen very quickly over the span of sometimes a few hours, uh, sometimes a few days. Um, and at each point in your career, that decision gets swayed a little different. For example, you know, as a restricted free agent, I just wanted to sign a contract because yeah. Orlando had said, "Go sign a contract. We'll let you know if we're going to match it." That was basically it. I signed with Chicago. Um, what would think that would have been an amazing fit. Tibbs had just got the job. They ended up being the number one seed in the East that year. But of course, Orlando brought me back the next time, 
you know, I wanted, I had just played a season where Orlando was in a rebuild. I get traded to Milwaukee. We had a losing record with the eighth seed. And I wanted to, I wanted to be a starter for the first time in my career. And that was important to me. And I wanted to, to, to try to win. So it came down to Minnesota Timberwolves and the LA Clippers. Well, I felt like LA, you know, the money was basically the same. The opportunity to start was the same. Clearly the Clippers had a better chance to win. So I went with LA. Um, you know, my first time signing with Philly, I mean, geez, that, that was so stressful because in my mind, I'm like, I'm 33. I just want one, one more long-term contract. I wanted a four-year deal and the Rockets offered me three. Minnesota offered me two, uh, Brooklyn offered me two and Philly offered me one. So then I've got to reconfigure what it is I want. And I felt like at that point, I'm like, I'm picking the best fit for me. Where the best fit on the court was Philly. And Philly also happened to give me the biggest, obviously, annual salary. I turned down less money over you know two or three years with all the other contracts. But I was like, all right, that's the best fit. Um, the next year, I turned down less money to go back to Philly because I thought it was a great fit. And then this summer... Uh, I didn't like Philly's offer. I've said that before. I didn't like their offer. Um, and, you know, I, I felt like New Orleans was an amazing opportunity to get a chance to play with with another up-and-coming guy like Zion. The money was great. Um, my my wife was on board to move down to New Orleans for the, for the year. So it just was like, all right, we're, this is where we're going. There weren't other options to be like, I'm going to go chase a championship here. I'm not turning down... 26 and a half million to go get the minimum to go chase a championship. I, I still am a capitalist at heart. I still want to get paid. Do you think you'll ever get there? Do you think that? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm at the, I'm at the point now where like, yeah, when this contract is up. Yeah. I mean, look, I'd love to go back to, to new Orleans. Um, I've had a great experience there. they obviously have a chance to win big, uh, over the next few years with, with the, the nucleus they have. Um, but again, it's like, you know, you look at each situation and you have to, what is my family going to do in this situation? Uh, does this team have a chance to win? So I don't know what it's going to look like in a year. I also don't know what the financial landscape of the NBA is going to be in a year, given uh, everything that's happening. Like we don't, we have no idea when next season is going to start. We have no idea what we're going to get paid next season. Everything's sort of up in the air. It, 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 I, is it fair to say that you guys are against probably another bubble though, right? Is that probably fair to say? It just depends on how long they want to sort of push the season back. I think there's there's probably an opportunity to push it far enough back and start later and play maybe a, a few less games uh, and get people in the stands if if we have a vaccine or if there's therapeutics. Um, so we'll see. Um, you know that that is so touch and go. And and in talking to to people around the league, the focus right now and the focus for the last five months has just been like, let's figure out a way to get through this season and do it yeah. in a safe way. And, and that's what they're doing right now. When the season ends, they'll, they'll tackle the rest. Have you seen that proposal though, for potentially having like almost MLB like series next year? Do you kind of like yeah. that schedule potential tweak of, you know, staying in one place, having teams come, you guys play back to backs or whatever like that, but a, a definite schedule tweak on what we're used to with the NBA. Yeah. I think my, my mindset about next season is I've just got to be flexible. Um, yeah. I've got to have a really flexible mindset. Uh, I've talked with Chelsea, my wife, about it too. Um, you know, they're they're most likely gonna stay in Brooklyn. My son just started kindergarten. My oldest started kindergarten, so they're just gonna stay in Brooklyn. And and you know, maybe it's a bubble for a few weeks, a couple weeks in home market, a bubble for a few weeks where you're playing a bunch of games back to back. But um, again, I you get to 36. And I've been playing since I was eight years old. You get to 36, and you're just trying to play as many games as possible because you know you know that, that this is <laughs> this ride's coming to an end soon. So you're like, I just I just want to get in as many games and enjoy these last few years uh, as much as possible. Do you watch LeBron play and be like, I can't believe we're the same age? Um, no, no, because I think no, because I think you know, first of all. I, me personally, I've gotten better in my thirties. Um, and I didn't, ha I don't have his natural athleticism and his, his body. Like, so <laughs> if I'm like, if LeBron, if LeBron works, which obviously he does, uh, and he's, I think one of, if not the smartest basketball players ever, uh, you know, those two combinations plus his natural ability, like I'm not surprised at all. What's surprising is the guy has done it for whatever, 17 years and, He's really never been hurt. 
I mean, he's carried this yeah. he's carried this load for 17 years, and he's just never gets hurt, and he 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 brings it every night. I mean, it's we're we're all sort of now like, ah, oh, it's LeBron, he's doing it again. But like, <laughs> don't ever take greatness for granted. He is he's phenomenal. Can we start tagging hashtags like year fifteen for you next year when you like make threes? Can we can we can we get that going? If I get a dunk, if I get a dunk next year, we should just do year fifteen. I'm, when, I'm gonna. When was the last I'm time you dunked in a game? 2011. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should. The complex sports team will will get behind you here. We're gonna start tagging. We're all gonna your have like highlights. a raffle or some like some like pool. Year fifteen. Dunk. I like yeah, it. Yeah, your your fifteen highlights for you next season. That that's our goal next year. Every year on my birthday for like the last four or five years, like I just like I'm like, all right, I'm thirty three now. Let's go to the gym and see if I can dunk. And I just I gotta get that that one dunk in. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I think I've got about two years left before I, I can't dunk anymore. Still still get it in while you can. I got one Brooklyn question for JJ. Oh, that's good. That's What's the best pizza in the county of Kings? Oh, come on, Lucali. Oh, oh look, I, all right. Yeah. I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. What's the best part about living in Brooklyn as a famous person? Nobody bothers you. That's not it. Really? Nobody bothers you? No, dude. That's I got it. This is That's a great beauty of this New is, York. This is a great story. This actually happened two days ago. Actually, it happened. Yes, it happened yesterday. So I, I had to run across the street to a food truck to, uh, to, to grab lunch. I, we had a bunch of kids at our house. Um, so it was like, eight kids and then all the adults. So I was getting food for the adults. So I walk out of my building. And as I walk out of my building, this group of like five people are turning the corner. And, and I kind of glance over. And as I glance over, the guy in the lead of the group points up at, at my building and goes, yeah, JJ Reddick lives right up there. <laughs> and I look at him and I'm like, that's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> And he was just, he was just. Oh, you in, said that to him. You actually called him Oh, I said that him. to him. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then him and the group were like, oh, yeah. How did he know? Totally that, awkward. Has he seen, like, how does, this is kind of creepy, but how did he know that you lived there? Did he seen you before? Well, I did a, I did a feature on Architectural Digest. So that's, well, a lot of people a know that. It's your fault. Did a lot of people know. in there? No, no. But it's, it's clear that I live in Dumbo. I mean, I talk about living in Dumbo. Yeah. And so. listen, yeah. Chops, as a former gossip reporter for the New York Daily News, uh, during my time, during that stint, I knew where all the fucking celebrities lived in Tribeca, in Soho, and other places. So yeah, it ain't it ain't that hard to find the info. Uh, very 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 weird flex, bro. Very That's weird. weird I'm just saying this. I, is, people know. People know the information. I, I think looked- I, I I think it's the best. Honestly, pre pre COVID, like this city is great, and I always knew that I wanted to live in New York. My mother uh, was an artist. She worked at an art gallery in Soho and lived on the Lower East Side after college and. Whenever I would come up here for basketball as a kid, she'd take me around. We'd ride the subway. The city is alive, right? It's like a living, breathing thing. It's an organism. Mm-hmm. It's constantly evolving and constantly changing. And to to be in that is there's a buzz. It makes it makes me feel alive. So I I just I love being in New York City and I love Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I, I I will say, and this is just this is not like a humble brag or a flex, but like. <laughs> I'm really into food, so it's really advantageous to me to be famous because I can go to nice <laughs> restaurants and I can get reservations. I can I can sort of skip the line, if you know what I mean. I can, can skip we, the line. Can we stop the narrative that New York is dead? That's a little off topic, but there's all everybody wants to write New York like, oh, New York is dead right now. Like, can we stop that? Like, New York's not dead. It's never gonna die. Listen, you're a Clevelander. It always comes back. Yeah. It, it, I, historically, it always comes back. It always comes back. <laughs> always comes back. JJ, before we get you out of here, Zion, do you want to fire off just any Duke questions to the most famous Duke player probably ever? I mean, uh, yeah. JJ, you're the, most, you're the most famous Duke player ever. You're the sec- what, what, second most hated a, Duke player big, of all time, though. Uh, JJ, do you not agree? You're, do you no, not agree not, you're the most? I'm not. No, I'm not. Grant, Grant Hill, Kyrie. Uh, Zion. As a Duke like, player, I'm talking about as a Duke player, JJ. You were more famous as a Duke player than Kyrie Irving. You played 11 games. I mean, games. then you gotta go Christian Leitner. Then it's it's tough. Yeah. But you're the second most hated player in Duke history. Who's Christian the first? Has that number one? Uh, is that is they Grayson? made a fucking documentary about it? it, it, it he's he's about to say Grayson. Uh, Grayson thinks he's more hated than I am. Grayson Grayson has a you have evolved. People like you now. Like people love you now. Thanks, man. Great people, I appreciate that. <laughs> people still, people still kind of hate Grayson right now. So I, I still kind of see where he's coming from. 
if you if you told twenty one year old JJ Reddick that you'd be like a famous super popular podcaster, what would twenty one year old JJ Reddick say? What is a podcast? <laughs> Other than what is a podcast? That's right answer. That is the right answer. No, I I tell you, you're crazy. I I I'm inherently introverted. Um, part of part of my sort of maturation as a person is is becoming more extroverted and a lot of that had to do with uh my wife who um just sort of like brought it out of me slowly and and i can remember early on when we were dating and first married we'd we'd go to dinner dates and she goes you know you have to speak tonight you know you have to like engage with people and now she's sort of like you know you have to shut up and let other people talk tonight <laughs> so she's she's helped me sort of evolve as a person i i there's no way a 21 year old me First of all, there's no way a 21-year-old 20, th- me would think that I, I would have had the NBA career that I've had. It's far right. exceeded anything. Never thought I'd be going into year 15. Um, I question whether I'd ever average double figures on a, on a court. You know, I, I never thought I'd, I'd start games in, in, in the playoffs. Like, it's exceeded everything. So um, I'm very grateful for that. I am. And, and there's, there's absolutely no way I would have thought that I'd be uh, hosting a podcast and and – essentially interviewing other NBA players. That that sounds insane. Is there anybody on your interview bucket list you want to get on? Like any Obama. Obama's okay. the, Obama okay. would be the top one. We've got look, we've got some some guests coming up that I think people are gonna be Wait, well, particularly surprised and excited about. Coach K is the one that I'm sure everybody asked you about to want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Is so that- I I had him on in 2016. Yeah. He called me the, the, when we lost to San Antonio and were eliminated from the playoffs. He called me that afternoon and talked to me a little bit about the game. He checks in with me pretty pretty frequently. And um, he said, uh, he said, look, I, he goes, I, I'd love to come on your podcast. And I said, coach, I had you on my podcast in 2016. And he said, well, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, but I don't think your podcasting skills at the time – were we're really really warranted having a guest of my stature. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, no way, really? What? I'm like, coach, you called me to shit on my podcast? All right, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, right? Hang up the phone on him. Yeah, yeah. So one quick thing I did want to touch on um that you talked about Katie about briefly was um the seeing the the media the media seeing basketball differently from the players' perspective. Obviously like seeing I think he was mentioning the defensive player of the year. Um, I think he was taking shots at Rudy Gobert, but that's not what I wanted to ask. I want to ask your opinion from the basketball, of the fan you are and being in the league, who was the MVP of the, of, uh, the season? Of the regular the season? MVP. Of the yeah. regular season was, mm-hmm. was Giannis. Giannis. Okay. That's the right answer? Yeah. I'll tell you, you let me tell you why. Giannis won MVP last year, yeah. right, rightfully. He got better, and his stats were better. He had a more efficient season, and the team got better. So, and they were the best team in the NBA in the regular season. He's the MVP. He's the MVP. No, no, LeBron, because I know a lot of people think there can LeBron. only be one. I, you asked me for my <laughs> opinion. There can only be one. I can name t- if you want. If you want me to name ten other good players, I'll do that. But <laughs> fuck, you said who's the line. MVP? Giannis. I'm fishing here. I'm fishing here. I was fishing. I was trying to get LeBron out of you because I want to hear that. I want to hear that from an NBA player. Say LeBron James was the MVP of the season. We'll see. Who would you rather play with, Giannis or James Harden? Can you answer that for me? He can't. He's going to dock for tampering, pal. What are you trying to do? You trying to you trying to light his wallet? No, I'm just. There. I can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> He'll spill all the tea. Listen, when I when I go when I when I'm done playing, <laughs> you're still you're still and I go on yeah. all the smoke with you're Matt Barnes and just, Jack. I find it very interesting. That I can tell you everything you want to know. People just. There's such a divide. In, I'm still in, in this, this shit, man. We're talking about with, uh, with just how the game is looked at. There's just such a divide about how certain guys play in the league. So that's just what I was talking about. But, JJ, we appreciate you so much. Um, your podcast is everywhere. It's great. You guys just had Kevin Durant on. Who did you have on today's episode? Uh, we had Bubba Wallace on. And then that's we also awesome. did 30 Minutes with Chris Long, who who's an ex-NFL guy. Yep. He has his own podcast. It was the most ridiculous 30 minutes we've recorded. Um 
I, I just couldn't stop laughing, and I, I, I just botched the draft. We do a draft every week, and I just completely botched it. And by the end, I was just doubling and tripling down on my, on my stance on the draft. And I just, I woke up today knowing that I had lost the draft, and it was just a pit in my stomach about it. A pit. I can't wait to listen. Going to be the first thing I do after this. Uh, JJ, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Woo! That was a fun conversation. Very fun conversation. I love that we saved the end to get Zion's just Duke questions, and that's always my favorite. Didn't even have Duke questions because, you know, you tried to call him the greatest Duke player of all time. That just threw me off. Or well, the most popular Duke player of all time. That was a wild take. That's a terribly that's a terrible take. No, I said I said the most famous Duke player of all time. I didn't say popular. I said most famous Duke well, player of all time. Well, that's the same thing. It's also like, a bad take. Yeah, because that then Kyrie and Zion are definitely more. I, while while at Duke, I think he's uh, whatever. Zion is definitely more. Yeah, Zion. I forgot. Later. I forgot about Zion. Let me let me live. Let me live. All right, but very fun <laughs> episode. Uh, a little in the weeds with the Brooklyn stuff, but it is cool. As you know, me and Adam both live in Brooklyn. Zion lives in New York City. It was cool. Cool to kind of hear. I just wanted to hear stuff. as a as a certified pizza aficionado. I just wanted to hear a fellow Brooklyn resident's take on his favorite pot. You you eat. You eat, you eat gr- grilled pizza and and think you're a pizza official. This is slanderous material as usual, pal. I should sue you for that nonsense because that is the as the most egregious take and egregious observation of your lifetime. You think I fucking eat the <laughs> who I would never allow the pal to be sponsored by? <laughs> Fuck no, pal. Can we bleep the <laughs> mentions because Chill. they're not a sponsor? No. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. No, 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 no. Fuck out of here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you're a worker and you listen to this podcast, you know, we'd love a sponsor. I will resign from the podcast if we get a sponsorship from one of those cardboard quality pizza I think we got it. Okay, so bleep all that out, Jasmine. All of Adam's fucking ridiculousness. All right, when Lucali sponsors the pod, pal, you can be praising my fucking, my antics. Yeah. Very fun episode. Very fun. JJ's great. There's a reason that he's elevated so much in the podcast game. He's, he's really on it. So make sure you go check out his pod, um, uh, Old Man in the Three. It's it's They've had you know K- KD on a whole bunch of people. So go check that out. Uh, another episode for us in the books. Make sure you guys tune in Thursday, uh, our second episode, where we go over NFL picks as against the spread, make you guys some money, our best bets, and fan calls. Make sure you call us in. All your hottest NFL takes, all your hottest NBA takes, keep them coming. Uh, we have some real crazy people. That Go Bear call last week was literally insane by Philip. I don't know where Philip is. He never tweeted me when I tried to find him. So make sure you call us in at 212-906-4495. Uh, pod hotline. Rant about anything you want. So do that Thursday episode. Uh, also make sure you follow us all on Twitter. As This is the Twitter episode, I could say, because Zion started the episode asking JJ Reddick to follow him on Twitter. So why don't you guys all yeah, follow us on Twitter? Like a child. Like a child. Nah, shut up, bro. You just have you just mad because the players don't like you. There's only one player that likes you, it's Austin Rivers. Mm-hmm. Shout out to hey, Austin. Hey, shout out Austin Rivers. Our run is is on the Rockets bandwagon's over. I'm sorry. Uh we had a good Yikes. run. We had a we had a we had a good run. We were gonna go to the parade and the parade just never happened. Oh, so. this is never a parade, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh we have Two of us wouldn't have a problem traveling. One of us would. Peachops underscore at Adam Caparel at Zion Olajede. Uh, on Twitter. Make sure you follow Complex Sports as well. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next time, make sure you tune in Thursday and the next week, like Adam said earlier, KG on the pod, maybe some other surprise guests. We'll see you then. Special thanks to our producer, Josh Dodd, our associate producer and sound engineer, Jasmine Plata, our production manager, Chancel Correa, our talent booker, Shanice Kelman, who gets us all our great guests, our director of talent relations, Kristen Price Harrell, who also gets us great guests, our Senior Director of Operations, Jen Stewart. Shout out to the main man in charge, our GM, Donnie Kwok. This is a production of Complex Network.